0: CHAPTER 6 PART 2 OF FAIRY REALM BY TOM HOOD This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian HOPPER MY THUMB PART 2 That night the sad sire sat down by the fire, And the mother sat near him in agony dire and though they'd not dined felt far from inclined to eat of the loaf they'd the good luck to find where some gay picnic party had left it behind just as they well a day as the madrigals say had left their poor children behind in dismay tat, what is that said the sire as he sat on the desolate hearth twixt the dog and the cat a knock at the door and without any more ado it was opened and lo, on the floor stood those desolate ones his seven little sons with hopper my son walking coolly before there was naught to be said they put them to bed you can't solve a riddle by scratching your head or that father distressed would have certainly guessed all the family heralds, most puzzling and best. But he said to his wife, though it's much to our sorrow, We'll lose the young rascals once more, dear, to-morrow. But for fear that again of our scheme naught should come, Just keep a sharp eye on that hopper my thumb. The very next day he led them away, In a different part of the forest to stray where the foliage was thicker and darker and denser and, if I'm permitted the term, much immenser. Any chance to provide from the rivulet side any pebbles to hop on my thumb was denied. But the youngster was one not easily done, said he, I'll contrive it as sure as a gun so into his pocket unnoticed the crust he had given him for breakfast he quietly thrust. And when onward they strode by this different road, he dropped crumbs all along, that had certainly showed very well the way back as had been his intention, but for one little fact I am going to mention, that the thrush and the blackbird, the woodlark and linnet, discovered his strewing of bread in a minute, and alighting at once, ate up all of the crumbs, and ruined this plan of poor Hopper-my-thumbs. Now the boys didn't mind if they were left behind, thinking Hopper-my-thumb would the road for them find, but alas, when they thought it was late and they ought to get home, and he failed to find out what he sought, a pretty to-do, and a frightened boo-hoo, Was set up all at once by the terrified crew. Twas useless to search, they were left in the lurch, They were lost in the forest as safe as the church. What a terrible plight, it was getting towards night, And although there might not be, so whispered their fright, Wild beasts in the forest about, yet there might The sun adown the western sky in dying glory rolled, And turned the forest topmost leaves to fluttering flecks of gold. The twilight shadows deepened round and filled the violet sky, Till, springing out of depths profound, the stars were in the sky. A purple pall fell over all, the last ray faded soon, And, like a galley far and small, Appeared the thread of moon. All noises died, save winds that sighed, Among the sombre trees, And nightingale's sad song, Allied in melody to these. Huddling shoulder to shoulder, And not growing bolder, As the breezes moaned louder, The moon shone out colder. Those poor little brothers, in terrors the sorest, Went wandering on through the gloom of the forest. Free from dismay, gallant and gay, Hop o' my thumb, marching first, led the way. But they hadn't got the same spirit, not they. At last he espies a trunk of huge size, Said he, in the world this will give me a rise. I can see by ascending it how the land lies. So, without wasting time, he hastes to the climb, his own elbows and knees with some limbs of the trees, assisting him up to the top by degrees. He contrives on a bough very lofty to sit him, and views all the darkness of night will permit him, while his brothers conjure him to tell what he sees. Far away, shines a single ray, But what it may be I can't venture to say. It looks rather far, but since here we are, Without any voice in the matter or choice, Whatever the distance we ought to rejoice, For whether the night be a melter or pelter, If it's muggy as beer or it rains helter-skelter, We mustn't make light of a light that means shelter. On went the children, still shoulder to shoulder, As frightened as bricks, and then stones vastly colder, And much more alarmed, for a stone is oft bolder. Arm in arm, in alarm, expecting some harm, In a terror no words of their brothers could charm, They walked towards the light, gleaming out through the night, And as fearful to turn, as if playing at fright. Through brake and through mire, Beginning to tire, trudged the sorrowful sons Of a sorrowful sire. On wandered they, in pursuit of array, Though girls more than boys think of dress, So they say, till at length, at the great front door, Postern gate, or whatever t'was called At that very vague date, of a castle or mansion, a building gigantic, designed on the model of dwellings, romantic, Gothic, solid and strong, that lasts ever so long, not sham Gothic, run up on that very bad plan. Tick, twas terribly high; it wearied the eye to follow its turrets up into the sky. How many feet? I don't care to repeat. I'm a bad hand at figures, of which to be sparing, Twas as high as the Grosvenor, or Langham, or Charing. Footnote The poet who sighed, he's depicted as thin, The warmest of welcomes to find at an inn, Might equal in panting, the size of a banting, To learn that these inns are prepared, in kind thrift, To give to those guests who are poorest, a lift. End of footnote. They none of them knew what course to pursue, Till Hopper my thumb found a horn which he blew, Whereon some one the bolts, bars, and fastenings withdrew, And came out with a light very vivid and bright On the top of the steps at the head of the flight, And they saw to their joy not a man nor a boy, but one of a sex for which terms we employ of a tenderer sort, in short, one to court, in short, not at all, but a tall one in short, for she was a giantess, being in figure, Than Chang the tremendous, and actually bigger. Who are you, you queer little crew? said Hopper my thumb, Madame, Pray, how d'ye do? We people so small have come for a call. We want a night's lodging and supper, that's all. Alas, said the dame, I can't promise the same, Though your lonely condition to pity lays claim. But to grant your entreaty were really a sin. In receiving you here, I should take you all in. Please, Madam, do, said the terrified crew, Who fancied each moment much darker it grew, And gazing with awe, believed that they saw Wild beasts coming after with ravenous maw, Not to mention such trifles as jaw, paw, or claw, And spectres enough all their marrow to thaw. So closer and closer together they drew, Repeating the chorus of Please, Madam, do, My poor children, said she, I've a husband, and he is an ogre, as savage as savage can be. His appetite's great, and when hungry, he's sweet on boys. So board, lodging, and clothing, he'll give you for no thing. Besides education, because you'll be eaten, boys. These words they don't like. But the terror they strike, not being so near, As the darkness they fear, they beg her once more To their prayer to give ear. Footnote Pray pardon the rhyme, which it's terribly clear, Is a rhyme to the eye, not a rhyme to the ear. If in thus fitting clothing you fancy I fail, Or am making a botch, Say, Twas done by a tailor. End of footnote. Please, ma'am, do, said the terrified crew. We're prepared to be eaten, we're in such a stew. Besides, ma'am, you might put us out of his sight. We only want shelter and food for the night. Let our prayers and our tears and our woes your heart soften some supper provide us and hide us please hide us we're quite used to it father has done it so often moved by their tears she flung open the door and gave them some food, but in five minutes more, ere they'd finished their bread and Gloucester, she said, here's the ogre approaching, get under the bed, unless you feel gridiron-like, or panish, or would like to be fried with the onions called Spanish. They were off in a jiffy, as promptly as if he, were Colonel Stodari, and had said to them vanish. But scarce were they hidden away, I declare, than the giant came in with a curious air. All his wife's kind precautions were very well meant, but he, like a Jew who is going to do a bill, was not easily sent off the scent. Fee for fum, said he, there are some little children about. Yes, I knows there are, mum. No sooner said than by arm, leg or head, he dragged all the urchins from under the bed. Each began to entreat him to please not to eat him. But the ogre replied he'd be happy to meet him, so he sharpened his knife to take every life, as he would have done had it not been for his wife, who showed him the supper she'd got. Wasn't that enough? If so, she was willing to feed up for the killing the children, who now he could see were not fat enough. Said the ogre, that's true, the supper will do. We'll fatten the brats for a week, or perhaps two. Meanwhile, since late hours make them tasteless and flabby, let them all go to bed without waking the babby. Away they all sped and hurried to bed, For fear his opinion should change on that head. But Hopper my thumb, while his brothers were weeping, Everywhere peeping, stealthily creeping, Found seven young ogrelings cosily sleeping In the very next bed on a pillow of down, And each of them wearing a little gold crown. Cried Hopper my thumb, on perceiving those bright caps, We've not been accustomed to sleep without nightcaps. So he took the gold circlets away from the others and put them instead on himself and his brothers. By and by, the ogre so sly, who had made up his mind to a little boy pie, for his breakfast comes up in the dead of the night with his very sharp knife, but without any light, and so in the dark, as pitched as the ark, Begins fumbling and feeling about for his mark. Comes to the bed, but feels on Hop's head a crown, So goes off to his children instead. And at once, for at slaughter you see he is. He cuts all the throats of his slumbering babbies. For which, since here, reader, you coroner are, Dict eight, sarve him right, it's the usual verdict, Hop o' my thumb, heard all, but kept mum. And as soon as the first streak of daylight was come, And the dawn breaking fast in the heavens he saw, The night was quite done, if the morning was raw. Woke his brothers at once, and they all crept downstairs, Climbed up to a window by aid of some chairs, Got easily out through a large broken pane, Jumped down on the grass and were free once again. Off went each urchin, and left quite the lurchin, the ogre who still his bed slept like a churchin. And well may they run, for as sure as a gun, the ogre will wake and find out what he's done. And at once setting forth from his castle to catch him, in spite of their start will be sure to outmatch em. They may run like the wind, but the horrible brutes, possessed of a pair of charmed seven-league boots, Yes, dread and fear, already they hear, The giant pursuing them, coming more near. They must try to conceal themselves closely, that's clear, They endeavour to save themselves in a cave. The ogre approaches, and even the brave, Little hopper, my thumb, feels a tremor of dread, when the giant, who suffers most frightful fatigues from striding across at each step seven leagues, sits down on the rock that is over their head. But it's not long before he's beginning to snore, and hop-o'-my-thumb plucks up courage once more. Now, while he's asleep, we must quietly creep from our hiding and bolt like a parcel of sheep. Out scrambled the boys without making a noise, and while this way or that way each rapidly shoots off, hopper, my thumb takes the seven-league boots off. To finish my story, scriptori, o mori, with the boots was our hero at once in his glory. He returned at full speed to the house of the giant, and finding the wife his orders compliant made her hand him more treasure at once from the coffer than the whole bank of england is able to offer and took it straightway to his parents by which he made like a stickler good joke the poor rich so his and his brothers and fathers and mothers good fortune he made not to name any others and as for the ogre what chance to become of him i know not I NEVER ASKED HOPPER MY THUMB OF HIM. BUT ONE CAN'T SUPPOSE THAT SUCH GIANTS AS THOSE, WHICH IN NURSERY LEGENDS AND STORIES ONE KNOWS, BY DEFAMING THE RACE MUST INFLICT QUITE A PANG ON THE LARGE HEARTS OF GIANTS LIKE Anak AND CHANG. THOUGH THEIR SIGHS FOR THEIR SUFFERING SOME REMEDY GIVES, SINCE ONE LEARNS THE MORE PATIENCE THE LONGER ONE LIVES so we'll trust that this giant so fierce and defiant got punished indeed on one fact i'm reliant his gold was all taken by hopper my thumb and so being left with a very small sum namely nothing tis likely ere long he began to fall in arrear and so sank to a van a poor sort of coop in which he'd to stoop Even the greatest must bow if their fortunes will droop. Then at revels and fairs he'd be shown as a sight, As a giant, see handbills unrivaled in height, Allowed on all sides to be taller than any that ever existed. Admission one penny. N.B. Babies in arms free of charge are admitted, In which case e'en a monster like that's to be pitied. L'envoi five favorite fairy fables, old, the efforts of a muse, which eke our efforts to amuse are told, and my farewell, tis time to speak, since ended now this book of mine is with one more effort adding, finis. End of Hopper my thumb, and end of fairy realm. A collection of the favourite old tales told in verse by Tom Hood